Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. You're listening to Utah's Morning News with Tim Hughes and Amanda Dixon on KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Good morning, KSL News Time, 730. KSL's top story this hour. Salt Lake County is hoping for a gradual warm-up over the next few months. KSL News Radio's Kira Hoffelmeyer explains why. The county's flooding department says they're stepping up their game when it comes to proactively preparing for the spring runoff. We currently have about 7,000 filled sandbags and about 600 tons of rock, we call it riprap to help us erosion along the creeks on hand. That's Cade Von Kerr, the county director for flooding control and engineering. He says peak runoff is mid-May to mid-June. Very dependent on weather patterns and temperature and the type of spring we're going to have. The worst case scenario that we can see would be that it stays really cold and then all the snow basically stays up in the mountains until we get to May. If you feel like you need sandbags now, you can pay 25 cents a bag for them at the county's Midvale location. Carol Hoffelmeyer, KSL News Radio. One of the bills passed by the legislature this year aims to get rid of the use-it-or-lose-it mentality at the heart of Utah's agricultural water rights. Ron Gibson is the president of the Utah Farm Bureau and says this fixes something he's been concerned about for a while. Something we were really worried about. For example, if I have 100 shares of water and I can conserve and use 80 through water optimization practices, we didn't think it was fair that we would lose that 20 20 shares of water. If signed by Governor Cox, the bill will go into effect July 1st. A trial date is now set for an Arizona man accused of sexually assaulting a 13-year-old boy from Layton. KSMB-TV Hastings reports 26-year-old Tadashi Kojima pleaded not guilty to three counts of first-degree sexual assault on a child, one count of third-degree sexual assault on a child, one count of resisting arrest. Federal charges have also been filed against Kojima that include kidnapping and transporting a minor across state lines. He is accused of kidnapping the 13-year-old running with the teen in Nebraska where he was arrested. The case resulted in an Amber Alert just before New Year's. Mark Jackson, KSL News Radio. Starting today, the Flaming Gorge Reservoir will no longer release extra water to stabilize the water levels at Lake Powell. That emergency protocol started in 2021 while uh, lake levels were plummeting to keep the Glen Canyon Dam up and running. State officials are hoping this year's above-average snowfall will buy them some more time as they come to an agreement on water usage cuts from the Colorado River Basin. The move to redesign Utah's state flag may end up on the November ballot. A group called Referendum to Save Utah's Flag filed paperwork seeking a referendum on the bill for the new flag. If the group reaches enough confirmed signatures by mid-April, Utahns will get a chance to vote on it. It comes after the legislature narrowly passed the bill, designating a new design. Governor Spencer Cox has not signed it yet. 
Rising food costs bringing some Utah residents back to the garden and their community. Midvale resident Spencer Mears says his humble beginnings taught him to be self-sufficient. I see people around me who are struggling and could really use the opportunity to learn how to better help themselves. His plan is to bring more community gardens to highly populated areas. He successfully acquired a temporary space last year, but Mears' focus this year is getting permanent locations. But then actually getting people to step up to help out has been the real challenge. A project like this requires major community and local business support. Liv Calvert, KSL News Radio. KSL's top national stories this hour. A court is getting ready to decide if the parents of a 15-year-old shooter should be held liable for their son's actions. This morning, Jennifer and Jason Crumley, whose son Ethan pleaded guilty to killing four of his classmates at Oxford High in Michigan, are fighting involuntary manslaughter charges. They could become the first parents ever charged in a mass shooting caused by a child. We had a person who put together this plan of who he was going to shoot, what order he was going to do it in. The Crumley's attorney argued before a three-judge panel that Ethan was the only person responsible and parents are not obligated to protect their child's classmates. ABC's Andrea Fujii reporting. For the third time in two months, a train operated by Norfolk Southern has been in an accident. A freight train slammed into a dump truck this time in Cleveland with deadly results. Authorities say the crash happened early Tuesday morning when the dump truck approached a stop sign at the Cleveland Cliff Cleveland Works steel plant. Cleveland police say the truck, which was carrying limestone, had stopped, moved forward, and hit the front left side of the train as it moved through a crossing. Investigators say the 46-year-old conductor who was standing on that side was struck in the collision. He was pronounced dead at the scene a short time later. The National Transportation Safety Board is investigating the collision, which comes just weeks after a fiery train derailment on February 3rd outside East Palestine, Ohio. I'm Mike Hempen. First Look Traffic takes us back over to you, Andy. Well, right now I'm watching the I-15 corridor. It's still in good shape in Salt Lake County after some slowdowns appeared for a bit in Kaysville, Farmington at then went away. So now most of your slow time is going to come on city streets, including 2100 North Lehigh, Pioneer Crossing. Those are already busier than usual. Uh, Getting a lot busier in Taylorsville, West Valley, and Kearns as well uh, for city streets uh, on the west side of Salt Lake County. I'm Andy Farnsworth in the KSL Traffic Center. Utah Jazz are at a crossroads in their season with only 16 games left to play. KSL News Radio's Adam Small has been following it and has details for us. Adam? Tim, the team's in a little bit of a limbo right now. With their loss to Dallas last night, the Jazz are now 13th in the West, but they're only a half game out of a playoff spot. But their four-game losing streak has got a lot of people talking about tanking to end the season since a lottery pick would still be in reach. Jazz coach Will Hardy says they're trying to stay focused through those tight standings, though. I would say right now that's just an emotional roller coaster. Everybody's so jammed up. You know, the standings between fourth place and, like, 11th are so tight. Laurie Markinen added recently also that they are competitors and that they're trying to focus on winning on the court. Reporting live at Vivint Arena, Adam Small, KSL News Radio. Honoring the women of Ukraine on this International Women's Day. Speaking before the Canadian House of Commons. These women are an inspiration for all of us. European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen says when Russia invaded Ukraine, women weren't allowed to carry out combat duties. But they did not care, and they started joining the army. Von Lyon says the women of Ukraine have smashed the glass ceiling over the heads of Russian invaders. This is not only a war in Ukraine. 
It is also a war on human rights, and it is a war on women's rights. Daria Alderman, ABC News. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.